All right, hey folks. So today is the first in a large series of videos, which I'm going to call Hypertrophy Fundamentals. Now, what I've wanted to do for a while is I've wanted to create a series of playlists, which essentially discuss my philosophy of training and elucidate how I feel about the big questions surrounding training with practical advice. So here's what you should do in this area to maximize your gains over the next couple of years. And I want this playlist to stand as a demonstration of my entire training philosophy. So if you have any questions about this topic, I'll refer you to this video. So the very first question that I'm going to cover in this series is going to be how hard should you train? And alongside that, we cover the question of should you train to failure or not? Now, I'm going to kick this discussion off by saying that this topic is a very popular topic on YouTube, really popular, always gets a hits, whether it's failure or not, or failure versus um, volume, whatever. However, I think that for the vast majority of videos that I've seen, they are exceptionally poorly done. And the question is, is exceptionally poorly answered. And mostly that's because people like to sit themselves in camps. There's the failure camp, and then there's the not failure camp, the RAR camp, the high volume camp, whatever, whatever. And I think that's kind of generally going about it the wrong way. So I'm going to give you an analogy, kick off with an analogy. So um, back in the 90s, uh, the Premier League was a lot smaller than it is now. Nowadays, this is the English Football League. There's a lot of money and there's lots of big teams. But back then, you had a much more wider variety of big teams versus small teams. And there was a team there in the Premier League called Wimbledon. Okay, uh, some of the older guys might remember old Wimbledon. Wimbledon was a team which was not known for beautiful football. Okay, it was known for effective football. So the strategy that they would employ was called the long ball. And the long ball essentially involved your defenders booting the ball as hard as they could <laughs> right up to the attackers. And the attackers would purposely be large, physical, aggressive gentlemen who would elbow barge and headbutt and do whatever they need to do to get the ball and then try and hit it as hard as possible into the opponent's goal. Just completely bypassing the middle part of the field, just throwing the ball up front. Now, back in the day, that was considered to be not beautiful football. Okay, Some people liked it. I thought it was quite entertaining, personally. Um, but it was definitely not the skillful football which we would see in the Italian leagues over uh, at the day. However, it was one thing, by maintaining their position in the Premier League, that is the best league in the country, it demonstrated effectiveness. It was effective. It got the job done. And that's what I want to kick off this conversation with. Training to failure or not is, and the question of training to failure or not is really the wrong question. The question should be, what's getting results? Now, for Wimbledon, long ball was getting results. It might not have been the accepted method of football in the day, but it got results. Now, in the same way, I am not in a camp when it comes to training to failure or not. I couldn't really care less. I'm all about getting results. And I will give my opinion over the course of this video, but the first predominant um, thing I want to get across is you should not be in a camp about training to failure or not. And I would also try and avoid dogmatism. With, because a lot of people who answer this question, they just want to be right. They're more interested in appearing to be right 
rather than actually trying to help people. I'm saying it doesn't really matter if you train to failure or not, unless you're not getting a result, then there's maybe room to explore. The main thing is, are you getting the result? That's the bottom line. We're not training just to train to failure. We are training so to get a result, so that we get a result. Now, the result is perhaps more weight on the bar, perhaps more reps with the same form so that we can demonstrate the fact that we've gotten bigger. That is essentially progressive overload. We have to be able to demonstrate progressive overload. Training to failure or not is an irrelevant question. If it gets the job done, it's working. Now, the second point is, and this is kind of why the discussion tends to be so muddy. You have some people on one side saying, you must train to failure. Other people on the other side saying, no, you mustn't. The conversation gets muddied because most people, one, they don't train to failure. And two, they wouldn't be able to recognize failure if they thought they were doing it. Most people have absolutely no clue about how to train to failure or have the physical capability to even go to failure on big compound exercises. Now, there's two bits of evidence I have to demonstrate to back that up. First bit of evidence is a study which was released recently, which looked at most people being about five reps in reserve. I agree with that. I think most people that I've trained in person who I've worked alongside, even the, the big bros at the gym, are usually a few reps away from failure when they think they've failed. Now, the second thing, if you don't like studies, is this. There's a video going around at the moment about of Tom Platts training some pro bodybuilder. Now, near the end of the video, this pro bodybuilder supposedly fails with 135 pound on the squat. Now, just imagine how tired this bodybuilder must have been to fail with 135. This is a guy who can squat five to 600 pounds. So to fail with 135, his legs are apparently going to be very fatigued. So that's, you know, like, whoa, look how hardcore this guy is. And all these guys are reposting it on the internet going, wow, that's trained to failure. That, that's failure. Whoa, yeah, we should all train to failure. Amazing. Now, when I saw it, my alarm bells immediately went off because I've actually trained to failure and I've squatted a lot of weight in my time. And I've been around a lot of very strong, very successful lifters, either bodybuilders and powerlifters. First thing that came to mind was having actually taken squats to failure myself and having seen people who have actually failed on squats is when this guy got up, he was laughing and joking. Now, the last time I failed a set of squats, I was on the ground. I was trying not to die. And I, was, I couldn't even speak to you if you offered me a million pounds. This guy in the video apparently failed and he was laughing and joking with Tom directly after. And we're supposed to believe that that's failure. And it's being reposted on social media as an example of not only what training to failure looks like, but also as a sort of um, a testament to the wonder uh, the, that is training to failure. Oh, look at this guy. So hardcore. We should all be doing this. Now, if you repost that as a testament to train to failure, or if you acknowledge it as somebody who's trained to failure, you have, by doing that, unequivocally announce to the world that you have no clue what failure is. Because I assure you, that is not how you behave after you've failed a squat set. So that is the second point. Most people have absolutely zero clue how to train to failure and also how to recognize when somebody's trained to failure. And that is just simply a public demonstration of their lack of ability to train hard.
That is essentially just by posting that, you are essentially saying to the world, hey, look at me. I have no fucking clue what I'm talking about. Now, the third point, there are large populations of people who don't train to failure and also get very big and very strong. So clearly, the whole question about train to failure or not is the wrong question. Clearly, the question should be, what do we need to do to get a result? Now, powerlifters are that population. Powerlifters and sometimes strong men, they generally don't train to failure. It's generally lots and lots of heavy sets with volume to build up the workload to get them progressing. That's certainly what I did. I very rarely failed when I was a powerlifter. I did occasionally, and I recognized when I did so because I know how to work hard, right? And again, when I, when I did finish the set and I failed, I didn't get up and laughed with my training partner. I was down on the floor for a few minutes recovering because that's what failure looks like with big compound exercises. So that is the third point, just in the, intro, in the introduction, just to sort of summarize this before I move on. The first point is it's the wrong question. The question is more about should we get, are we getting the results or not? Are we demonstrating that we are growing by being able to do more reps or add more weight to the bar? Second thing is most people have no clue what train to failure is, as demonstrated very frequently these days about these reposts of you know, failure videos. Most people who, who post a failure video are nowhere near failure as well. I see this, I don't always comment, but I see it a lot. Um, and the third point is there are large populations of people who never train to failure and they still get big and strong. So clearly it's the wrong question. Now, next, next point is my stance. Oh, one more thing before we move on. One more thing before we move on. With the point about most people not understanding where failure is, I think there's also something to be said for the fact that it can sometimes be harder. You can train harder not and not fail than train to failure. Like, for example, what is harder? Gritting out seven reps just through sheer will and determination and the reps slow down and you just keep grinding or stopping out five reps because you failed because you just didn't feel like it that day so which is harder well in the first example you you didn't fail the second example you failed so which is harder i would say doing more reps through sheer will and determination is harder so again it's a testament and a demonstration of the fact most people don't really understand what failure is you can fail and just not feel very good like i could go to the gym you know on a, with a hangover uh, and I could be failing lifts, but it's not hard work. So again, it's the wrong question. It's the case of, are you doing enough to get the result? And that is a combination of working hard and the amount of work you need to do, but we'll get into that on a different day. So that is just the, the brief introduction, just to kind of lay the outline for how I feel about just the entire conversation, because I, I just think it's poorly answered by most people. Now, on to my own recommendations. So my own general recommendation is that if failure, if you're there on the set, you may as well go to failure. If it's there, take it. If it's there and it's safe, then take it. Now that's going to vary based on different exercises. So things like squats, you probably don't want to go to actual failure multiple times per day, multiple times per week. Now, if you're doing the type of failure that was in that video I demonstrated and you get up and you laugh and you joke, sure, go to failure all you like. In fact, you might have to just to try and get some effective reps. But if you're actually going to failure on big exercise compounds, it's probably not a good idea. My general stance is if it's there, take it, particularly if it's safe to do so. 
the bigger an exercise is, the least likely you are to go to failure. Like exercise like squats, deadlifts, and leg presses, I probably wouldn't keep about one rep in the tank so you're safe. Exercises like um, pull-ups, rows, even bench presses, if you have a safety um, setup, either a spotter or something, go to failure, whatever, not, not a big deal. Arm exercises, shoulder exercises, um, calf exercises, abs, all that kind of stuff. You probably don't want to train to failure on neck exercises, for example, but in general, if it's safe to do so, go for it. The bigger exercise is you're probably going to stay away just because it's so excruciatingly painful if you actually know what failure is, which again, most people don't. Now, let's discuss what happens when a muscle fails because this is important to understand so that we know what training to failure looks like. We know what to look for. So, in general, if you're lifting in the roughly 5 to 15 rep range, which is what you should be doing for best hypertrophy outcomes, um, there are different... What will happen is, as you lift a reasonably heavy weight, you know, in that 5 to 15 range, most of your muscle fibers will be involved right from the off, right from rep one. Now, on the higher end of that, some of the muscle fibers might come in later in the set, but that, that's by the time you're really swinging, most of the fibers will be involved. Now, what happens is as the muscle fibers get fatigued, they drop out, okay? So this is where you see a rep slowing down. Now, you'll see this very often if you watch some of my videos, reps will start to slow down. Usually a couple of reps at the end, sometimes three or four, depends on how hard I'm going for it, will start to slow down. Now, what's happening is those muscle fibers are dropping out. So there's less force. Ergo, the weight isn't able to go or come up with quite as much um, speed as if all the fibers are working. So those fibers, they drop out, they fatigue, and that's how we know we are getting closer and closer to failure. So you might have 100% of your fibers working from rep one. And then as you start to tire, you'll get 90%, 80%, 70%. And at a certain point, there won't be enough fibers to prevent the bar from stopping. And that's when you have failure, okay? So that's what happens. Now, there are different types of failure, and it's important to understand this. So the first point there is, if you don't see any rep slowdown, it's unlikely that you actually went close to failure. Unlikely, not impossible, but unlikely. There are certain scenarios where perhaps you did fail and the reps didn't really slow down that much, but um, in general, you'll see at least some slowdown. Okay, now, there are different types of failure. The first type of failure is what we've described, which is failure where you just simply can't lift it up anymore. And that is what I would call positive failure. And that's generally where I train. So I train to the point where I generally can't lift the weight, carry on lifting the weight upwards. That is what we could call positive failure. It's failing on the positive portion of the rep. So let's say for a chest press, we're going up and we can no longer lift it up. That is positive failure. Okay, great. Fantastic. Now, the next thing is where... You can't lift it up, but you struggle against it. and You just kind of hold it in one spot, pushing as hard as you can, but it's not moving. That I would call, or we can call static failure. Okay, there's, there's lots of names for it. It's not really important what the name is, but for the point of discussion, we'll call it static failure. Now, that I find I can normally hang out in that position for anywhere between two to five seconds, pushing as hard as possible, but the bar doesn't move. So... After that, you have negative failure, and that is where you can't even prevent the bar from falling. And that is when you are completely fatigued. There's hardly anything left, because we generally have more strength on the way down. But if you can't even hold 
the bar steady or prevent it from free falling, that's negative failure. You're completely gone. That's quite dangerous. So my general recommendation is positive failure. I think that's enough. And that's generally what I do. So why would you not want to go to static or negative failure? I think for me and for people I train, I think it's proportionally less stimulative and it's not worth it. But what I will say is it's not a bad test because for most people who think they train to failure, you know, and they get up and they laugh and joke afterwards, um, it's, it's not a bad idea to get those people to try and do a static hold and say, look, when you fail, take it one step further, go to static failure, and you'll probably see them be able to hold on to the bar for a fair bit longer. And that's probably a pretty good indication that their positive failure wasn't actually failure. It was just like psychological failure, um, just not working hard enough. So in any case, it's not a bad thing to ex experiment with if you feel like you're, you're, you're not working hard enough or if you see somebody who isn't. But my general recommendation is train to positive failure if it's safe to do so. I don't personally think it's that stressful, um, but just make sure you're doing it when it's safe. So this goes on to the next point, which is different exercises. It'll be different. You'll, I'll have different, different exercises will, will it'll be safer or less safe to do train to failure on different exercises. So for example, less demanding exercises, things like cable flies, um, bicep curls, um, lots of machine work, you know, cable work, more closer to failure and maybe even beyond is more permissible. Large, heavy barbell compound exercises, I think it's a lot less necessary to train to failure um, and it's generally less safe, more dangerous. Like, I'm not recommending people train to failure on squats or, or even bench presses, for example. I think it's not a great idea or, or deadlifts. But I think generally you've got to train hard enough to get the result. So if what you're doing is getting the result, then you're training hard enough. But yeah, as a general rule, the smaller an exercise, the, the more of a cable or machine exercise it is, you're generally more, it's more permissible to train to failure and beyond. So the bottom line, however, is results, okay? The bottom line is results. And just to kind of sum up this entire conversation, what you should do in the gym over the next two or three months is ensure that whatever you are doing, it is giving you a result, not just on the day, but over the course of a string of workouts. I think most people are far too caught up in the there and then. That's when they, that's why they love to hear people scream at them about train to failure, training harder, blah, 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 because that one session, they're preoccupied with it. It's not just about one session. It's about putting together a string of multiple sessions and looking at your progress over the course of months because you can fool yourself into training hard one session and then the next and not actually get results in the long term. It's vitally important you divorce yourself from this mentality of thinking, I'm going to be in this one camp. I'm going to be the failure guy or the not failure guy, the RIR guy, whatever. It's not about that. It's about results. That is what it's predominantly about. This is why when I first started training, these questions to me were irrelevant because I was a powerlifter. What was irrelevant, what was relevant to me was getting more weight on the bar next time I hit the platform. That was the only thing that mattered. And whatever I had to do, whether it was more volume, less volume, more intensity, less intensity, I didn't care. I did it. I was married to results, not in some weird religious relationship with a training stance on failure or not, or high volume or low volume, nothing mattered. What all that, the only thing mattered was the outcome. 
and more people need to ensure that when they are asking these questions, they're looking at it from that angle. What gets the result? So those are my general recommendations for what I personally do, uh, why I personally do those things. Uh, also a little bit to do with the general question of how hard to train. I think it's generally poorly answered because it's the wrong question. But I also think it's a popular question and um, people really enjoy discussing it. Um, probably because people generally prefer to talk training over actual training. But um, there we go. Anyway, bottom line is results. And I will continue this series with a bunch of topics. Uh, I have a whole list written down and I'll probably add to them over time as well. But this will be the, um, the fundamental hypertrophy series and I will be adding large fundamental topics so you guys know my stance and this will just sit as a, a testament of my training philosophy. Okay, folks.